Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Woman podcast, where I reveal the power of your heart to create leadership impact and cultivate confidence for the life you want. I'm your host, Glyn Bailey, and as a corporate finance leader, executive coach, entrepreneur, and author, I know all too well the challenges that prevent female leaders from claiming their seat at the table. In this podcast, I talk all things to do with self-leadership, sharing stories, insights, and guidance on how to ultimately get out of your own way to live a life in alignment with who you are. When you begin to see the impact that you can have, no matter where you are starting on your journey, life becomes one huge adventure. I'm so excited that you are sharing your journey to Unstoppable with me. So let's dive right in. Hello and welcome to episode 40. So very excited for this episode. I have my beautiful guest, Melissa Marsden, on this episode. And we've just had the most amazing conversation learning about her journey, her business, how she blew up her life and everything that's gone on in between. So I can't wait for you to get into this episode. But just to tell you a little bit more about Mel, Mel is a workplace dynamic strategist. She works with emerging leaders, corporates and professional services firms to create environments that drive high performance teams. Mel believes that our environments have the opportunity to positively influence our behavior and performance at work. With a career spanning more than 20 years supporting organizations to enable their environments to inspire human potential and through leading her own commercial design studio, she has developed a robust toolkit to transform organizations from the inside out. Oh, wow. She is a very impressive woman. She's had her business acumen recognized by AIM and Telstra Women's Business Awards for her leadership and transformational business strategy process. And her passion is certainly about sharing her journey with businesses, leaders and fellow entrepreneurs. And I know that you'll get as much value from this as I would. Otherwise, I don't think you'd be listening to this episode. So without further ado, let's get stuck in and please let me know what you think of the episode. Let me know how much you got from it. What were the key insights? Because I certainly got so much. What a phenomenal lady she is. And here she is. Hey, Mel, thank you so much for being on the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I can't wait to get into this interview with you and have you share for my listeners today about what makes you an unstoppable woman. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Glenn. It's lovely to be here. To kick us off, love to have you share a little bit more about your journey and what's brought you to the point that you are at now. Mm, Okay well it's a bit of a long journey. Um, So I grew up in country Queensland and was always very much of the opinion that I wanted to have my own business and I think I displayed quite entrepreneurial traits from a very early age. Um, I was the kid who was bagging horse shit and selling it on the side of the road and any way that I could find to make a buck from a hard work. And so I think that was really instilled in me from a very young age. Um, my mum, I'm the eldest of four girls. My mum was a stay-at-home mum who looked after us and then later started to work in the family business with my dad. So everyone around me had always really worked quite hard. And then I decided I wanted to head off to university. And so I left the country and moved to Brizzy at the ripe old age of 17 and found my own way in the world. And that's kind of what led me on this path. So I went and I studied interior design 
And I then worked my way through uni to be able to pay for my university degree and then got a job. And it was really exciting because I got to work and design and and study L at the same time. And I really enjoyed that process. And it was after a few years, I got a a promotion into a a new role and I took on that role and I really kind of stepped up pretty quickly through the ranks. And so by the time I was 27, I'd been the state manager of a national um, design and project management company. I then became a director and I was there for five years, but it was a bit of a rocky five years me um, and looking back what I realized was that there was a real values misfit between the way that they operated the business and I was a director of that business which was I think only further sort of um, ingrained that that friction for me and then eventually I left and um, I started my business community and we've been going for eight and a half years and that's kind of what brings me here to where I am right now. Oh my god <laughs> I wouldn't unpack but let me I'm going to go back to your childhood so entrepreneurship yep. clearly runs in the family how yes. how did you harness that excitement and energy to make a quick buck and as you sort of described it as bag shit and side on the yeah. side of the road I love it what what was it that you were called to do at that point in time what were you observing around you that thought this this is what I want to be doing I think it was always a really deep-seated idea of independence and financial independence came from being able to support yourself and to take care of yourself. So my parents, um, you know, my mum not working and my dad then owning the the local new or news machinery business, which they still have today. You know, we didn't have a huge amount of money. I had three little sisters, so we didn't get pocket money or anything else like that. So if I wanted something, then I was going to have to work for it and create my own wealth to be able to, to afford that. And so even then, you know, as soon as I could get a job, I got a job in the local bakery and I was there on the weekends. And so it was always very much part and parcel of me. But also, you know, another story was I um I used to make earrings because I'm very crafty and love design and used to make earrings. And we used to go to Brisbane to go to the dentist. And I used to bring my earrings with me and sell them to the, the dental nurses who were very kind enough to buy them. But so I was always kind to like sell my wares and find another way to, you know, to, to create some sort of income for myself. Oh, fantastic. And then how did that lead to you deciding interior design was what you wanted to get into? Um, I actually started out wanting to be a graphic designer. And so from an early age, I think it was in late primary school, um, I decided that graphic design was what I wanted to do. And I did all the appropriate subjects through high school to make that happen. And when I got to the opportunity to go to uni, um, I got accepted into Griffith University's Queensland College of Art. And the degree that I did was a three-strand degree so you did graphics industrial and interiors um, all in the first year and at the end of the first year you decide whether or not you're going to go down which path you're going to choose and fortunately I went and did work experience um, through my first year and decided that if I design logos for the rest of my life I would shoot myself and so on a whim I kind of just went I'm going to go and do interiors and I really didn't know what the impact of that decision was going to be I didn't know the difference between an interior designer an interior decorator and an architect because this was a quite a new industry at that time um, but it was the best decision I ever made and have not looked back ever since 
And then just coming coming on from that, so you, you've inadvertently made a decision because you've realised graphic design isn't for you. You've chosen yep. interiors. You've then started in the work environment and then worked for an organisation and developed yourself up to a senior director level and then realised actually there was a value misalignment. So what was it about knowing that there was a value dis- uh, misalignment, but not just choosing to leave and take on another job elsewhere what was it about that decision at that point that said now it's time to start my own business one and I love the name of it community what what was the journey or the thinking that happened at that time um I don't think it was a snap decision there was a few years there where I just didn't feel like I fitted there was um times where I felt like I didn't have a voice I had a seat at the table but there was no voice at that table um so I was the youngest of the directors um I was also the only female and so I think for a long time I kind of thought that my place to sit on that board was an opportunity for me to learn and to sit there quietly and to be the person that I was supposed to be and I think for a while that worked, but then after a while I, I didn't agree with some of the decisions that were being made, but I didn't have the power or the authority in that situation to, to make a huge amount of change or to influence many of the decisions as well. So I think it's only in hindsight that I really realised it was a values misalignment. I went on a bit of a journey after that, learning what my own leadership style was and what was actually a value to me and what was important. And it's only in reflection now that I can say that that was a values misalignment, but Typically for about two years prior to me exiting the business, it was just this deep, unseated, disturbing feeling in the pit of my stomach. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel right there. Something was feeling really unsettled. I felt really quite trapped and I knew that something had to change. And there was a moment where then I just kind of, I got to the end of my rope and then I made a decision to leave. And at the time that I was leaving, um, I hadn't decided to go and start my own business at that point. I always knew that I would. Um, It was just always part of it. That was the reason I had taken on the opportunity to become a director in this business. I thought, well, here's my opportunity. I can own this business and I can be a part of it. But it just kind of happened. So I left um, the organization I was with and then I thought, I'll just take some time off. I'll go get a job and I'll see how things kind of turn out. And before I'd even left, I had three clients come to me and say, hey, you know, would you like to take on these projects? And so within a month, I had projects coming in. I'd hired my first employee and we're off and running. So it kind of just um, snowballed. But um, and, you know, we've kind of embraced it and and ran with it. And tell me about community since the, the inception of community eight and a half years ago and building the brand to what it is today. What have you found through starting that business kind of to some degree for not falling into it? That would be too too wrong a word, but being invited into that journey to to start your own business, something you knew you wanted to do, but perhaps the timing had had been presented to you. What's the journey been like in your own business or over this time? It was really interesting from the beginning. Um, having had these clients come to me, there was always uh, this sense of confidence around what I was doing and how I could do it. And then being able to build my team up around me the first year we spent, you know, working out of my spare bedroom and then we moved into a co-working space and we kind of grew from there. And when I first started out, it was Melissa Marsden Consulting and then we became Marsden Collective. And it wasn't until 2018 that we rebranded to Community and 
the name community actually came after a trip with business chicks and the hunger project to Malawi and sitting on the floor with um, these other beautiful women that I got to go with. And that's kind of where it was, it was incepted and, and came from there. So, but it was always around this idea of fostering the creation of communities where people feel connected. And so in 2018, we went on a real journey about rebranding the organization, about developing our values, really getting clear on our purpose and, really understanding what was the the essence of what made us different and what made us special. And I think even from 2018 till now, we've been on quite an evolution through COVID. We've had our ups and we've had our downs, but I think it's probably three very distinct businesses that I have seen us transition through in that eight and a half years. And it's been really interesting to see my own personal growth through those periods, how I've changed as a leader, how I've changed as a businesswoman, how I've changed what my vision for the organization is and where I want it to go. And I'm just actually writing my next three-year plan at the moment. And looking back on the last three years, when I wrote that plan three years ago, kind of looking at how much external factors I was allowing to shape that vision in terms of what success was. And now I'm actually being really honest with myself about, well, what do I really want from this business and feeding that in. So being much more um, truthful to myself about what I want for the next three years and really cutting out that external noise around, you know, what others might deem success to be. And that's fascinating because a lot of us are influenced by the culture and society around us. So we do take on this identity of who we think we should be based on what people think. And certainly from a business brand perspective, what people's perceptions and opinions and judgments are. What's enabled you to stand in your own truth, your own identity, and allow you now to step from that point in 2018, when you've rebranded the business to community. And I love that story of being able to get present to seeing a community in action and then bringing that to your business through its values. But if I was to step into you personally, how has that journey evolved personally that's allowed you to step into this this truth now to give you the the courage to to anchor into what's true for you and, and bring that out in the business? I think there's a deeper level of self-awareness that I have now around what is external um, validation or external success that's being, you know, and not directly put on me, but just I think indirectly it exists around us. And then knowing a lot more deeply what I want from my life now and what I want to see happen in the future. And I think that's come through a variety of different tools and techniques and um, coaching and experience of being around other people. Uh, I think there's a lot of different factors that have kind of led me to that. And to realize by watching other leaders and being part of other business communities that there are multiple ways to be successful and that there isn't just this is how it is. And I think particularly in, in our industry, there is a... And, path that you are to follow in terms of what success looks like and having been able to look outside the industry now at how these other leaders have created their own sense of success and and what success is for them I think that's really shifted my perspective around what is possible for me and therefore what I really want and therefore what's possible for the business. And what have you discovered about what that is that you do want? What does this next three years look like? And in what way does it feel different to the last three? 
Well, one of the things that I wrote down three years ago was that we were going to be expanding across Australia and we we're going to have all these sites and we're going to have all these people. And I think in hindsight, that was very much a reflection of what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And to be honest, even when I wrote that at the time, I'm like, yeah, I, I really don't feel connected to this. I don't feel like this is actually what I truly want. And that's one of the things I've stripped away now. Um, as a business, we do work across Australia and overseas, but we do it from our base here in Brisbane. We're not looking to expand into Sydney or Melbourne or Perth or any other of these markets. We want to be able to stand strong where we are and service our clients in those, you know, those remote locations, but from where we are here. And I think that's a big change. The other big change for me is I don't want to have a huge team. I, I call us, we're the small and mighty team. Um, and we're full of very senior people now who are very independent, autonomous, and a, have the ability to, to go about the project delivery without requiring a huge amount of input from me. And I'm also not, don't want to have a big team. Um, I think I'd like to have a really small well-connected, strong culture within our organisation where we respect and value everyone's contribution to be able to achieve an outcome together. And, yes, I think my perspective of team size, geographical distribution, all of those things have really shifted. But in terms of who we serve, the way that we do it, the products and services that we provide, they're very much still at the at that core of being around, you know, creating that community feel within organisations because we're very focused on workplace design. And, you know, now post-COVID, we're all talking about our workplaces being communities. Mm. Um, we were kind of at the forefront of that, which is really exciting in hindsight to be able to look back and go, you know, we were leading the charge. And I remember when we first rebranded, people were looking at me like I was crazy going, what do you mean a workplace is a community? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, now we're all calling them communities. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need it now more than ever, right? The sense yeah. of what, what community means to different people is different things. We're no longer got the traditional model of all going to a, a fixed location. There's more hybrid working, whether that's from home or remotely elsewhere. And I think the way the world's going to look at how we create community, whether that's in our local community outside of work or through work, is going to change. So mm-hmm. any any work that's building a value set and culture into the design of an environment, I think is going to be incredibly powerful. So you talked a little bit earlier about the sort of journey that you went on yourself through your self-discovery and getting coaches and leadership. What has been the most powerful lesson that you have got from taking that journey to embark on self-discovery? Because I'm huge fan of self-discovery it's a space that I live in the personal development world is in lots of ways part of my daily daily life whether that's work or home what's been the most powerful thing that you've got from the journey of self-discovery for you I think for me it's really been about that opportunity to learn more about myself and continually become a better person and that's always been my driver for going through this. I'm a bit of a professional development junkie. If there's a course out there, I'll take it because I'm constantly evolving and I'm learning and I want to have better skills and have a better ability to run my business and to lead my team and, and lead my family as well. So I think that's probably been 
one of the biggest things is to really understand myself, to understand what my strengths are, understand where my weaknesses are and where they show up, how I react into different situations, how I can learn self-leadership and better self-control to be able to then not be as reactive and uh, to yeah to be much more even tempered because I'm a very impatient person and I react very quickly and I've had to learn to temper all of that so that I can build better teams and build and, and be a better leader and I think a lot of that has come down to really getting to know myself a lot better understanding what my values are getting really clear on what my purpose is and how that translates through the work that I do and that has then sort of getting clear on that has allowed me to then expand the work that I do. So community is one part of what I do now. And now I've got my own personal brand as well, which is where I do um, coaching and leadership um, advice, executive leadership around that as well, because I see now work life is the big part of what I do. And it's about inspiring people to find their place at work and in life. And for so long, we've talked about this whole idea of work-life balance, where I really feel like it's work-life integration. And we need to find a way for us to really enjoy what we do, love the work that we do, and find a way to be able to bring all of that together. And I don't think that we can do that well if we don't know ourselves and we don't have the ability to then bring that whole self to work. And if we don't know ourselves, we can't bring ourselves to work because we're just going to be reflecting the behaviors and expectations of people around us. And I know that because that was me for a very long time. And so I think now I'm very passionate about that, knowing the transformation that I personally have gone on and the impact that that can have on individuals within organizations. And so I want to look at our work life far more holistically than just designing the environment. Now it's how can we support people to have that better insight into who they are and, and what they want to achieve in their life and aligning that with an organization. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think there's just such a blend between our work and our home now than there's ever been. Technology's mm. meant we're accessible all the time, that we're always on. And it's easy for us to blindly go in a direction that we might have been guided through school or through university and onwards. But actually, I think as more and more of the population wake up to the fact that a lot of them may have taken themselves down a career path and never questioned whether or not it was the one that they wanted or whether they were aligned to it or whether it actually made them happy. The, the opportunity for workplaces to be asking these questions up front not only means that individually people are more integrated in their work and home, but also from a culture at work perspective, people are there because they are consciously choosing to be there and they get to bring their whole selves to to the table and I love what you said earlier about oh I had a seat at the table and I didn't have a voice and um, recognizing that actually yeah it requires the ability to to know your own voice first before you can then really take that seat at the table and and, and be be impactful so when mm. you think about the challenges that you've had to overcome to to get to the point of where you're at now, what would you say has been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome personally to, to get to this, this realisation? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's all been, all been steps in this direction. And I think a lot, of, a lot of it just comes down to experience and having to have had lived through it. But I think it's also about having that resilience to be able to move through it um, because, you know, I wouldn't say that I've had extreme adversity 
in terms of where I've been and the experience, the experiences that I've had, but I've certainly been in some pretty uncomfortable situations and I could have easily just tapped out or went, no, this is too hard or I'm not going to do that. But I think there's always been this internal drive for me to, to be better. And I don't know whether that was instilled in me from my parents when I was a young child, and, but I've always just been driven to do better and better and better. And I think for a long time, I looked for external validation of that. And I looked to my parents for their approval in that, or I would look to partners for that kind of approval. And I think they got to a point where I had to then find that approval within myself. And again, this comes from that whole, the whole journey of self-discovery and understanding who I am to be able to stand in that and then go, yeah, no, this is actually what I think is important. And this is what I believe. And then having the courage to be able to then speak up in that space, to stand behind that perspective and that opinion. But if you don't know what is important to you and you don't have that opinion, then that's when, as I said, you don't have your voice because you don't know what you're talking up for. When, and when you say that through, it was incremental steps for you, do you, what have you observed outside in terms of the different women that you've come across in, in the work that you do? Because the work I do is helping female leaders step into their truths, be able to speak, speak more openly about what it is they want and where, where they're seeking to go, both professionally and personally. I'm curious to hear your perspective and what you've seen through the work that you've done and the journey that you've travelled. What is it that stops us from taking that dis- uncomfortable step into self-discovery and journey and, and and what have you observed about what people think of think of this work I think it's been a bit twofold I think you either dive into it and you kind of like grab the ball with both horns and, and go for the ride or you sit on the edge and you just watch because you're scared of what you're going to find and you know, it is uncomfortable and it is scary and you do have to face a lot of your demons and, you know, you do find things that you potentially don't like about yourself, but you also do have the opportunity to see all of the really great things about you and then focus on those because, you know, the whole reason that we focus on our strengths and in the work that we do is that we then can be get better at that. And the more attention you focus on the good things, the more good things will come as opposed to focusing on the negative all the time. But I think that resistance in terms of going through the process or people thinking that they, they don't need to go through the process, that there's nothing there to fix. Um, And I, sorry, I shouldn't say fix. We're none of us are broken. Um, It's just that you know, how we can then get work to know ourselves. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, do that yeah. work and, and sort of grow ourselves in that space. I think that's probably the thing that I have seen the most. And then the confusion that sometimes comes with that because you then have all of this information and you've got to try and make sense of it. And that doesn't happen easily. That takes time and it takes, you know, sometimes years of processing these things and going, but this is what I think is really calling me and how do I shift myself in that direction and, you know, make it a sustainable career and and do all the other things that I want to do. I think that all has to happen incrementally, but you need that vision. So, you know, you know what you're working towards. Oh yeah. That clarity of that vision is, is putting a stake in the ground that you can then go, right, this is, this is what I'm anchoring to. It's giving my, my, my day focus, my year focus. It gives me a sense of meaning and purpose when I show up, it's in service of, of what I've, I've earmarked where I want to go and I as I listen to you I I do recognize exactly that that sense of either you're all in or you're sitting on the fence observing and I've definitely had a lot of people through the work that I've done just 
watch from the outside and there's this level of curiosity of like what are people experiencing oh my god there's this wonderment that comes with observing but the fear that what might I discover if I go through that and I I know Mm. certainly there's the narrative of like you know I'm not sure it will work for me like this is great for other people but I'm not convinced it will work for me and then the second point that you raised about oh not even sure that I need it and I think that's probably the harder one is this unconscious view that we don't need it whereas I look at personal development I think well in a work context I'd always be continuing to strive to improve Mm -hmm. if the business was in a certain state of um, performance I'd be looking at what could I do differently to grow it and improve it and how can I make things better for the future and what would my future self ultimately thank me for but we never seem to have the the push for that mm. work for ourselves, that continuous improvement until often for the most part, and it's not true of all, but for the most part, I see until you've had a trigger, an external trigger, yes. an internal trigger that says, oh, something's not right here. I've got to change this. And, and it's that, that point at which either the pain of staying the same becomes too much and you're propelled to, to move forward because standing as you are just doesn't, doesn't work. Mm. No, I, I completely agree with you in that. And I think about, you know, the, the ladies that I'm working with, it's they're either in a period of transition. So there's a change of life that's happening, whether that's they're moving into retirement or they're, you know, they're changing career or they've got to a point in their life and they've realized that the work that they've been doing for the last 20, 30 years is no longer making them happy. And now, you know, they're at that point now where I need to make a change and I want to make the rest of my life enjoyable and I want to do something that I really enjoy doing. So I think there's always that trigger point. Like you said, there's a transition point. And for me, it was, you know, I, I effectively blew up my life. So at the same time that I, you know, left that organization and decided that that wasn't a values fit, I also separated from my husband at the time too, and had a two-year-old baby and effectively had what I now call a life cleansing and just, and, and leveled it all to the ground because I couldn't see a way through without doing that. I kind of had to wipe the slate clean and rebuild from that point. And everything kind of just then fell into place the way that it needed to. But then there was a lot of work that I was doing around that at the same time to try and make sure that I was rebuilding in a way that was true to me. And having said that, there were a lot of mistakes that I made through that process as well. And there were a lot of things I'd then repeated from the business that I had been in that I didn't like because that's kind of like that's what I knew and I'd recreated that and then I'd get myself into another pain point and go actually that's not what I need and then I would go and seek external help to re-navigate that process so I think having an external voice is always very helpful to help you talk through situations where you're at to hold up a mirror sometimes and just go this is actually what's going on and to help you navigate that and and lead you through those things I think is really really important. Yeah, and I, oh, that's huge. And thank you for sharing. Gosh, separating from a partner is enough for any, and I've been through that myself, but is enough for anyone to start questioning identity, life, where are you going? Mm. Such such a big, such a big shift of identity at that point. But I love what you've just said there about the the opportunity to recognize the pain point, sometimes knowing that you'll make mistakes. But the contrast of the mistake highlights exactly what you're leading to is that, oh, this reminds me, this is not what I want. This is not the life I want to experience. And it's that trigger, a renewed trigger to go, okay, what can I do differently? But 
the ability to step back and have that mirror held is so powerful in facing those demons because I think so much of what we do is we want better we want access to a life that we can dream of and be inspired by but the journey to getting that point often doesn't look attractive it looks messy (laughs) and it looks chaotic and I can certainly empathize with you having made mistakes having learned from them and then continuing to go what what do I need to do need to do differently so if you were to give based on your experience of you know life cleansing as you've described it and I love that (laughs) what would you give as imparting your wisdom to someone that was facing that same inner gut feeling of something's not right and something needs to change what would you give them as guidance Mm -hmm. on where to where to start I think the thing that I have resisted over the years but has been the best served advice for me is to just take some time and some space and just sit with that because I think when we are rushing from one thing to the next and we're busy, busy, busy in our lives like we are all the time, we don't take that moment to stop and just to check in and see how we're feeling and it's only when you know, and I've resisted these things myself. Every time things get out of control, you your natural instinct is to push harder and to keep going and you work your way through it. Whereas I think when I have actually stopped and I have made some space and carved it out for myself and whether it means, you know, a day at home or taking myself away for two days, just to kind of reflect on where I'm at, what's right for me, what's feeling wrong for me, that's where I've found those real answers and you'll know within yourself what the right decision is and the right way forward that doesn't mean you're going to act on it immediately it doesn't mean that you're going to embrace it because it could be quite a scary outcome it you know it might take time for you then to kind of process it and and move forward on it but you will inherently know what it is that you need to do and then it just takes time to kind of face that and then you know move forward with it yeah And I like that you said not only the time and space to check in and feel, but time and space to acknowledge that that decision that you might need to make might not be one you make immediately and that Mm. there's still time before the execution and the implementation of whatever it is that might come up. And I think when people feel scared about what they're trying to do or the life they're trying to create, giving permission to take a moment is really powerful because it does it sitting with it that discomfort sitting with it to then tune in and go okay I know this is right I've got to anchor into that inner inner self and that trust makes that opportunity to take that step more confidently because you've done the groundwork to go okay I don't need to rush into this life (laughs) hence but I can be aware that that it's coming I can be aware that this journey is something I need to take and I can honor myself through just being kind to myself in, in the process of that. I really love that. Oh, amazing. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because I've been in awe of the work that you've been doing and we met through Tina's uh, Empire Builders Mastermind group. It's just seeing you stepping into your own personal brand and looking at what that means for creating and designing but not only the life that you want to be leading but the business that you want to be creating can Mm. you just tell me what's on on the agenda for Mel's (laughs) chapter onwards because it's been such a joy to watch 
It's actually really quite exciting. And I think, you know, since we've met and we've been going through this process, I have been on quite quite the journey. Um, you know, leading community through COVID over the last 18 months has been, you know, an absolute roller coaster ride and trying to keep everything afloat and keep everything going. But I think what it also gave me was a real opportunity to look at things differently. It gave me permission to do things differently. And as you've seen, Glenn, I've launched online programs to support organizations to create and fantastic employee experiences through the way that they design their workplaces. So people can go and empower themselves to make that change internally within an organization. And what I kept getting called back to was to, to share kind of like everything we've just talked about today as my life's journey and a in a little snapshot program. So I've, I've launched that now and we've got live a life by design. And then my intentions for the future are to, to keep growing that side of my business, keep sharing my life knowledge and my business knowledge to help others grow a business and a life that's aligned to who they are and who they want to be and to try and design who that is as opposed to taking on all that external perspective of what success is or, you know, living your life on someone else's terms or by default or on autopilot. So that's a big part of, of what I want to be doing and, and growing our community team back to a really nice thriving space um, now that we've got this opportunity to do that there as well. So it's, it's far more holistic. It's about creating a work life that we love by empowering individuals to be able to design that for themselves and then supporting organisations to create workplaces that enable those individuals then to thrive and, and kind of connecting all of those dots together. So that, oh, that's kind of what's on my agenda. Yeah, <laughs> I like it because it's kind of like an extension of community in, but it's kind of the community of you, you know, it's yeah. the... So it's the community of who, who am I being in community with when I'm in community with myself? What am mm. I connecting to? What's meaningful? What's important? And I love that you've got then just a, a different stream of work because you've got the, the workplace org design and, and the space design, but also the, the values piece that links into how people using that, what are they connecting most to? But then the personal piece around that, who am I? What do I really want for myself? And then what does that mean for when I'm I'm starting my own business and going on the journey based on all of your experience? And I think that's a key piece in terms of what I've seen over this last 12, 18 months um, around us is this recognition that we don't have to just have one thing that defines us, our career, that's the, oh, this is the one thing that I do and I do it for life. It's this actually I've got so many strings to my bow I've got so many facets to my my life experience that the opportunity to impart wisdom and share through being empowered yourself give other people the access to empower themselves in the journey I think is very exciting and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing more of your your personal brand come to life and seeing how your wisdom being shared with others is really going to transform their journeys as well if I was to ask you two more questions, yeah. one is, if you were to describe what unstoppable means to you, what does it mean to you? Unstoppable to me is very similar to another phrase that I like to use, and it's anti-fragile. Um, and anti-fragile is kind of like the antithesis to resilience. Resilience is when you get knocked over, you get back up. But 
for me, anti-fragile and I think unstoppable goes into the same bucket is that for every knockback, you come back stronger. And so every time you're hit with that adversity or you face a challenge, you, you grow as an individual, you grow as a person and you're just continually becoming stronger and stronger. And I think that's what makes an unstoppable woman. I love that. Anti-fragile. Yeah. Come back stronger. Awesome. And one last question, because I'm really curious to know, what would you say is up until this point in time, your proudest achievement has been? I had a few that I would reflect on but I think probably my proudest achievement has been the growth that we have gone through in the business the fact that we're still standing here uh, eight and a half years on been through COVID you know the last 18 months was certainly testing but the fact that we're still standing here and the vision that I have for that going forward I think is one of the, the things that I am most proud of because it's enabling my team and my business and myself to be far more holistic in everything that we do and finding ways for us all to be really fulfilled in the work that we do as well. Um, So it's not just about me and what I want to be doing. It's about how the business can enable that fulfillment for each of us. So that's probably the thing I'm most proud of now. I love that. And it's, it'll touch so many people because if you're being holistically focused, you give other people permission to do the same and no longer needing to separate parts of themselves to to feel happy you, you're bringing everything together under under one well it's not really an umbrella but just one community you know the sense of like community with yourself community with your work community with the environment around you and, and just checking in I love that oh Mel it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today I could talk to you all day I feel like there's so much I could learn from your journey and there's so much more that I'd probably want to unpack but we'd probably be on here for hours (laughs) thank you so so much thank you so much for having me it's been a wonderful conversation and I've really enjoyed the questions that you've asked it's been nice to kind of reflect on that myself oh you are most welcome and I look forward to checking in and connecting with you again really soon me too Glenn thanks thanks so much for listening to the unstoppable woman podcast the path to the future you want leads from your heart If you got value from this podcast, please leave a review and share it with another woman who you know would benefit from it too. We need more women claiming their seats at the table. Until next time, live your truth and be unstoppable.